Let us pray. Father, we come to you today, Lord. You are our strength and our hope. You are the one who gives us life, God, and we pray that you would lead us in Christ today, that you would draw us close, Lord, that you would grow us in the faith, Lord, that we would not be babies in the faith, Lord, but that we would be more mature, that we would continue to grow, Lord, because it is you that gives that growth. You are the foundation of our faith. You are the founder and perfecter of our faith, God, and we praise you today. We honor you. Lord, I pray that you be glorified in all we do. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, uh, turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It is uh, such a blessing to uh, be able to bring the word to you today. Um, it's always such a blessing to be able to bring the word. Uh, I know it's been a while since uh, we have been in the letter to the Corinthians. We were there at the beginning of the year. And, um, and I'm continuing off where we last left off. And that is Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Starting verse 1, uh, but so far in this letter we have seen that Paul is writing to believers. We see this because in chapter 1 verse 2 he says, To the church of God, and that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. He says this at the beginning of the letter, and then he kind of just goes into them about all the things that they are doing wrong. Um, we have also seen that they are acting just like the culture around them. They had division, they had selfishness and spiritual pride. And to that, Paul was writing this letter. This is a letter of correction. It is a letter to get sin out of the church and to put Christ at the forefront. In this passage, Paul uses agricultural and architectural metaphors to describe what it means to be involved in any sort of growth. And he explains how... He and Apollos participate in the growth process of believers, but ultimately God controls and guides uh, the growth. And he also explains that the church is built on Christ, the foundation. So if you return to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I'm going to begin in verse 1. It says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not yet ready for it. And even now you're not yet ready, for you're still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Paulus. Are you not being merely human? We see that the Corinthians were still infants in the faith. Paul was in Corinth four to five years before this letter was written. And he said, I was with you, and when I was with you, we were infants, right? They were baby believers just coming to the faith. They didn't know anything, and they were completely dependent. So he said, I fed you with milk because you were not ready for solid food. In other words, he taught them the elementary principles of the faith. But he did not get into the deeper substance of the faith because they would not have been able to understand it. Like a baby, a baby is helpless, right? It is <laughs> harmless. It is completely dependent, but, but in no matter of doing things, it can't do anything. It's, it's just there, dependent. He said in verse 2, I, I'm, not, I'm still not able to feed you with solid food. Because you're still not ready. They were still infants in the faith. Paul was there for about 18 months. He planted the church and he pastored the church. 
But he had not been there for four to five years. So looking back, he sends this letter. He says, look, you know, I left you some years ago. And you're in the same condition as when I left. You haven't grown any. You haven't matured any in the faith. Paul had described two types of people so far in this letter. He called, he called people either natural or spiritual. The natural people were the ones without the spirit, and the spiritual ones were strong Christians. But he didn't call the Corinthian church either one of these. He called them fleshly. Right? They had the spirit, but they were acting just like the world. Where the church should have been growing and being sanctified, they were not. They were too concerned with the things of the world instead of the things of Christ. We see in verse 3, he says, For you are still of the flesh. While there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? We can also look at Galatians, Brother Corey, Pastor Corey, he went through Galatians. And he went through the, the deeds of the flesh and the fruits of the Spirit. And we can see through this letter that, that when Paul is writing to the Corinthians, they are full of the deeds of the flesh, but not of the fruits of the Spirit. And as for baby Christians, new to the faith, this is somewhat expected. Because they haven't begun to grow yet. But for the Christians who have been in the, in the church and been in the faith for some years, they should have grown. There should have been some growth, some fruit of the Spirit, but there is not. Then in verse 4, Paul says, For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Paulus, are you not being merely human? They were more concerned with which camp they were in. They were more concerned with Apollos or, or Paul than they are with Christ. It's not about Paul, it's not about Apollos, it's about Jesus. Jesus is the head and not Paul or Apollos. Instead of dividing over which preacher they liked better, they should have joined together for Jesus. They were stagnant and stale. They were not growing up. So here's the question. Are we maturing? Are we maturing in the faith? Are we still babies? Are we still stuck in whatever spot, the last place we grew at? Or are we being sanctified, continuing to grow, continuing to be mature, mature in the faith? Are we growing in Christ? Is your desire for Christ or for the world? What is your heart? What is your longing? Is your heart longing for Christ? Or is it longing for things that are temporal, things of the world, things that maybe make you look good or some sort of pride? What is the longing of your heart? Because we all have one. We all have that longing in our heart, but what is ours longing for? Do you desire meat? Or can the only thing you stomach is milk? You know, babies are adorable. I love babies. And I still look back at when my baby was a baby. She's seven now. And she was so adorable with her talk and with her expressions and cooing and cawing or whatever the words are that, that they do. And no one can blame a baby for being immature. Right? But when a teenager acts like a baby, that's not quite adorable anymore, is it? kind of weird what about when a grown man acts like a baby that's really weird so as christians we should grow up we should not be stuck as babies we should not be stuck as toddlers we should not be stuck 
as little kids. Yes, when we were a little kid in the faith, we, should, we acted like it, right? But as we grow in Christ, we should continue to act more mature and be more mature in Christ. There should be, not be immaturity there. There should be purpose in our walk. When we are saved, it is justification. Pastor Corey preached on justification. We are justified by what Christ has done. But then there should be sanctification. That is the Holy Spirit working in you, making you more like Jesus. You see, we will never reach perfection on this side of heaven. But it's something that we should strive for. Continually to want to be more like the one who is perfect. You know, growing in the faith and maturity isn't from a sense of duty. It's not a sense of, well, I need to do this or I should do this. But instead, it's a love for God and what he has done for us. He has provided everything we need for life and godliness through the true knowledge of him. And we should desire to be like Jesus. or want to truly know him and to love him. And I forgot to say this, so I'm going back. If you have your outline, number one was, are we growing in maturity? I'm a little excited and I just got ahead of myself. So number one was, are we growing in maturity? <laughs> and number two is, God gives the growth. God gives the growth. We look at verse 5. It says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you have believed. As the Lord assigned to each, I planted, Apollos watered. But God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. What is Paul? What is Paulus? Apollos? They were both servants of the Lord. And they both at one time led the church in Corinth. So the people were taking sides on which pastor they liked better. Paul planted the church and he led the church for a time. Then God moved him on and Apollos moved in. So some were like, I follow Apollos because he is eloquent. Others say, I follow Paul because he is godly. The focus of the church was on the wrong thing. Instead of being on one because you liked the way he talked or the other because you thought he was more godly, it should have been on Christ who was the head and not one of the servants. Paul compared him to Paulus uh, to humble farm workers. And I find this interesting because the sort of manual laborers, the elite in Corinth, they despise these people. The manual laborers. And, and the church in Corinth, they wanted to be like the elites in the city. They wanted to be upstanding. They wanted to be known. They wanted to be... Uh, <laughs> it, it was their pride. But Paul said, well, what are we? He didn't say, who are we? He said, what are we? We are servants. We are lowly workers. And you're putting your allegiance to us? Paul was saying, why do you quarrel about workers that God has placed here? 
you should be focused on God and what he has done and what he has done and will continue to do. So Paul explained that, the mis- that they're misplaced their loyalties and are boasting about their attachment to a servant. And he deliberately undermines the culture that they hold so high. You see, our growth comes from God. So Paul said that he planted and Apollos watered. Yes, Paul was the, the planter of the church. God sent him there to plant the church and to build the church. And, and he did. And he sent Apollos to water the church, to feed the church. And he did. And these things are necessary. But God is the one who ultimately grows believers. It is God who gives the growth. Yes, the one who plants is necessary and the one who waters is necessary. But they are workers doing what they have been called to do. Everything that that has growth is because of God's doing. If you're growing, it's because of God. We tend to think that like the growth of plants is automatic. They have the soil and the seeds and the nutrients are right and there's enough rain and enough sun, the crops will grow, right? Well, the Jews had a theology of creation that God causes everything on earth to grow. So we could see that in Psalm 65, 9-11. He says, uh, you visit the earth and cause it to overflow. You greatly enrich it. The stream of God is full of water. You prepare their grain, for thus you prepare the earth. Your water, its furrows abundantly. You settle its ridges. You soften it with showers. You bless its growth. You have crowned the year with your bounty, and your paths drip with fatness. See, Paul was using the theology um, that everything that has growth is from the Lord. Whether it's plants or Christians. (laughs) We grow because... Christ grows us. And that's the way it is with the gospel as well. God is the one who grows us. And without God, there is no way for us to grow at all. You can have the most excellent order and still be babies in the faith. Look at the church in Corinth. <laughs> they had Apollos as their pastor. Now, Apollos was known as an eloquent man. In Acts, it says that... <clears throat> That he was known for his knowledge of the scripture, rhetorical skills, fervent spirit, and boldness. And this was their pastor, right? They say he was one of the most eloquent men back then that they have ever heard. But Paul is writing a letter to them saying, you know what? You are still babies. (laughs) You haven't grown any. And you're taking sides with, man, he is a strong pastor in the faith. Or one who is... Uh, an apostle, right? You, you're, you're taking sides between these two, but you haven't grown any. And that's because God gives the growth. Was that God's fault that they weren't growing? You say God gives the growth, so and they weren't growing. Is that God's fault? Well, no, it's not. Some may say if it's God who gives the growth, then we shouldn't be held accountable for us not growing. And that's not true. We are always responsible for our actions. We're always responsible for what we do. Does that mean that we can work our way to heaven? No, we can't. 
We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone. And that is it. But we are commanded to live for Christ. If you're a Christian, then you belong to Christ. As Christians, we should desire to grow in Christ. We should want to be more like Jesus. If we're concerned with God and His will, if we're in prayer to God for Him to grow us, guess what? He will. And He also gives us that desire. But sometimes we could be like the Corinth and try to make it about us. Try to make it about me. You know, it's, it's all about me. <laughs> How do I look? What am I doing? When we put the focus on ourselves, guess what? We're not going to grow. We're not going to grow at all. Because when we focus on us and not God, He's not going to grow us. While our obedience is necessary, is not ultimate. We do not carry the ultimate weight of making ourselves or others grow because God has claimed that as His responsibility. So how can we be sure that God will give growth? Well, if we look at John 15... Jesus says, I am the true vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. You know what nothing means in the Greek? Nothing. <laughs> apart from God, you cannot do nothing apart from Christ. The growth cannot happen apart from the connection of the true vine. We need to be connected to the source of growth, and that is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the true vine, but he is also our foundation. So number three is, Jesus is our foundation. Verse 10, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. You see, Christ is our firm foundation. Paul changes um, from verse 9 to verse 10, the metaphor from agriculture to architectural. Right? He goes from growing things to building things. <laughs> and we know that the church is not a building you meet in, but it's a saint you meet with. And, our, and we know that at the moment's notice, we can be called to the presence of Christ. We should be building with that in mind. If not, then we are building with the wrong thing in view. God is the designer of the church building. And we must realize that the foundation upon which Paul built was not principles, but a person. Jesus Christ himself. Upon this rock I will build my church, Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18. What rock? The rock of Peter's confession that Jesus is the Christ. Peter wasn't the rock, but he confessed that Jesus is the Christ, and that is what Christ built his church on. 
When we confess that Jesus is the Christ, when we trust in Christ, follow him fully, know that he is our foundation. You know, the true church of Jesus Christ is not built upon something like, let's get together and make something happen politically. Or let's launch a moral crusade. Let's get into social justice. Let's do something good for the community. It's based upon Jesus Christ, our hero, our savior, our friend, and our coming king. And the foundation built on anything else will fail, it will fall, it will decay, because Christ is the only foundation that will truly last. What is the foundation you're building on? Are you building on the foundation of Christ or something else? Paul wants to make it clear, though, that, that a man can, can not lay a foundation other than Christ. If it's the church. He said in chapter 2, verse 5, I determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul showed them his weakness so that God would... So to show them God's strength. He said, I didn't come to you with eloquent speech, but I came to you in weakness and fear. For in that way, you can see the strength of Christ in me. In the church, some were saying, well, I stand with this guy and others with that guy. But Paul was telling them that their allegiance should be on Christ, and he is the foundation on which the church is built upon. The only foundation of biblical Christianity is Jesus Christ himself. Not on someone's ideas or cultural norm or ethical standards. Nothing will do except for the Lord, Jesus. The church is not a group of people who are just all like-minded, who get together to have a good time. The church is a group of Imperfect people who have the Spirit of Christ, who have been saved by the blood of Christ. And on that foundation is what we must stand. He is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. He alone is the foundation the church is built upon. And as a church, we are to build on that foundation. So what are you building? And what we depend on, what we build upon it will be determined by the things we do. Verse 12 says, Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved only as through fire. All who are in Christ are both a part of the building and have a part to play in the building. So what are you building? What are we building? Paul called himself the master builder at the beginning of this passage and and so do you think that's presumptuous? No. That was a technical term. It's where we get our word architect from, architecture from. 
And he was saying that, look, I'm the project manager. I have put people in place where they need to be. I have put people's gifts and their, their skills where they need to be to build this house on the foundation of Christ. And Paul lists here six things which can be built on the foundation. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. If you look at these six things, can you see a difference in gold, silver, and precious stones in the next three? What's the difference? Some could be burnt and some cannot. The first three are not flammable. But as you go down the list, you see they get less precious and more flammable as they go. It is possible to build in such a way that on the day of judgment, we will see that much of our work will be lacking in eternal significance. We may think we are significant. We may think that we are making a major contribution according to man's perspective. But just come to find out that on that day, when it all comes to light, we will stand and see much of it go up in smoke. And we would go up in smoke too if it wasn't for the grace of God through fire. We can make much of ourselves. Give me a chance. <laughs> I can make much of myself. But I am nothing without Christ. If we're truly honest with ourselves, none of us are anything without Christ. He should be who we look upon, who we rely upon, who we trust in. Every decision that we make should be in the light of Christ and His Word. But it is equally true, though, that if we have been faithfully involved in the building of the foundation, then we can anticipate rewards. So what are you building? Are you building with gold and silver and precious stones? Or are you building with wood, hay, and stubble? The thing we must remember is in verse 13, there is a day coming. The day of all days, the day when Christ returns. All temporal things will be done away and eternal will be made clear. All the things in the world will be held in such a light, with light esteem, that were held with such high esteem will lose all significance. Everything temporal that we hold dear, right, will be nothing when Christ returns. But the eternal, and that's going to be a sight to see. So, brothers and sisters, what's our focus? Are we focused on the temporary or are we focused on the eternal? When Christ returns, will your works be burned up in fire or will it be made of non-perishable things? When Christ returns, are you going to say, oh goodness, <laughs> or come Lord Jesus? The Corinthians' focus was on themselves, and they had looked and acted no different than the world. Are we looking and acting different than the world? They were stagnant in their faith with no growth. Are you growing? 
Dr. Bonner once said that he could tell when a Christian was growing. In proportion to his growth in grace, he would elevate his master, talk less of what he himself was doing, and become smaller and smaller in his own esteem until, like the morning star, he faded away before the rising sun. Are you growing in the faith? And what are you building on the foundation? As believers, we know that Christ is the foundation of the church, and it is his church. Christ established the church, which hinges on the crucifixion and the resurrection. So I pray that the Lord would show you today that his word would be illuminated to you today to help you to see if you're growing, to help you to see if your foundation is founded on Christ or foundation on, or founded on the world. Things of eternity or things of temporary. I pray that each one of us are growing. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today, Lord. We thank you for your word. God, we praise your holy and wonderful name. Lord, we know that you are our strong foundation. You are our firm foundation. The one we can stand upon. The one we can build upon, God. Lord, we pray that you would move in our lives, that you would lead us to Christ, that you'd give us wisdom through your word and through the spirit. God, and we would desire to be more like Jesus, and you would give us that growth. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.